0: Hello, welcome to the podcast, The Bible Says, and today we're dealing with a subject that is uh, very important. Uh, As a church, we want to hold to the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Uh, Jude verse 3, we want to stick to the gospel. The Bible gives us a warning, Galatians 1, if anyone should come preaching a different gospel, other than the one that's already been preached, we are to, uh, the Bible says that they're condemned. That's what Paul says. Um, and so we recognize that the scriptures were given the biblical understanding of those scriptures were lived out in the first church and we were warned over and over and over again to be careful uh, not to allow anybody to come later on and say well you know those guys in the beginning were wrong and and we're gonna teach you something else or something different we were told to hold to our faith and our doctrine closely and and to persevere in it and through it we'd be saved and so uh, so would our hearers, for those of us who, who teach. So we try to be really careful, not go beyond what is written. And um, over the years, we have kind of uh, worked out sort of a, a, an idea, uh, a visual that helps people understand where we stand as a church. We call it the three buckets. And um, so let me explain what that looks like. When we when we talk about doctrine, theology, lifestyle, we talk about the first bucket being those that are essential for salvation. Um, what I mean by that is um, these are kinds of uh, the kinds of things that are like, okay, this is absolutely clear. It's historic. It's it defines what a Christian is, who they are, how they became a Christian. Um, It's essential sorts of things. So the kinds of things we would talk about there is uh, if the Bible says something is absolutely sin, uh, righteousness, the standards of God's righteousness, the way in which our sins are forgiven. um, uh, So the gospel, um, then we would say that is a first bucket issue, meaning that. it defines whether you're a Christian or not. So I think about things like uh, the doctrine of the Trinity. That is a historic doctrine, 2,000 years old. And it establishes that there is one God in three persons, that Jesus is God. And, you know, that's very clear in Scripture, John 1, Colossians 1. Uh, And you know, it, it's been believed from by the church for 2,000 years. Some people want to say that Constantine and what happened there with him later on established that fact. And it wasn't prior to that a doctrine of the church. No, not true. All that Constantine did was allow the, the, the early church leaders to come together to kind of uh, authenticate what had already been laid out. Since the beginning of the church, a couple hundred, 250, 300 years earlier. And so it, it's an established doctrine of the faith, and it actually impacts the, the, the gospel. Because if Jesus isn't fully God, then he isn't valuable enough to pay for the sins of all mankind. Uh, he was fully man and fully God. And so, as, as a man, he experienced what we experienced so that he could be a faithful high priest, but as fully god he is able to represent god he's the exact radiance of god's glory uh the, the says um in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god colossians 1 he all things are created by him and through him and and are held together by him um, so god is established there in it impacts um, uh, the gospel Uh, his ability to pay for all of our sins for all time and makes that available to all people. Now, not all people will accept that. Uh, The gospel has been given to us as a means to salvation. We must receive it. Not everybody's going to receive it, but uh, uh, it's been established. So when you think about first bucket issues, um, the Bible is very clear. The, The way we would say it is this. We would say, where the Bible speaks and it's clearly understood for 2,000 years, we speak, and we want to be clearly understood. If the Bible is silent on a subject, we don't want to fill in the gaps. We can have some ideas, but we don't want to make it a test of faith if the Bible isn't, uh, doesn't speak and it isn't clear. And so where it speaks, we speak. Where where it's silent, we're silent. Legalists um, add things like the Pharisees did, uh, fill in the gaps when the Bible doesn't say something. And Jesus wasn't for that. He wasn't for people um, creating traditions uh, uh, that were additions to what Scripture actually says. He he felt no obligation to, to teach his disciples to wash their hands three times. And clean the outside of the cup instead of the inside of the cup. He didn't didn't teach his disciples to follow the traditions. He taught them to follow what God's word actually said and what God meant by it. And so we hold to that when it comes to essential issues. Then we um, have what's called the second bucket issues. And those are issues where where they have to do with unity. They, They may not be essential for salvation, but they're essential for unity. If we're gonna be unified, we have to have the same language, we have to be going in the same direction. And so, um, um, here's what, uh, there was a a Lutheran pastor 200 and some odd years ago that came up with a statement that goes like this, uh, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, freedom, in all things, love. Um, I, I don't like that statement. Uh, here's why I don't like that statement. What it says is, in essentials, unity. Um, and I, yes, I want there to be unity, but in non-essentials, freedom. Uh, so what that means is, uh, if it's not essential for your salvation, this is how some people would take it, then then you're free to do whatever you want. So so let's play that out. The Bible is really clear about uh, marriage, for instance, and the role of a husband. Uh, the husband is, um, the the wife is to submit to the husband as to the Lord, and the husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. And so the Bible clearly says something about what the role of a husband is in the home. He is the leader of the home. Of course, the Bible also tells us what leadership looks like uh, in the home. It's not Uh, abrasive or cruel it's not a position to be used as a as a privilege it's a it's a it's a um, the responsibility of being a leader to lay down your life for others and to and to know God and to speak for God and to be like God in the home as you're conformed to the likeness of Christ is so important but you might say well you know what since that's not essential for salvation I don't have to do that. I'm free. I'm free not to listen to my husband, because I can be saved if I don't submit to my husband, or I can be saved if I don't try to understand my wife and and lead like Jesus does. I mean, you know, I, that's not the gospel, so therefore I, I can do what I want. No, remember, where the Bible speaks, we speak. The Bible has something to say about that, uh, about a husband and wife's role. So it's not freedom to do whatever you want if the Bible speaks we speak it may not be essential for your salvation but it is essential if you want to have God's blessing and live according to his plan in your marriage and so when it comes to things like uh, um, uh, those sorts of things we want to be clear that the bible teaches something about these things therefore we were told to go into the world and make disciples baptizing in the name of the father son and the holy spirit and teaching people to obey all that he commanded. And he commanded things through uh, his apostles who wrote down the scriptures. He sent the Holy Spirit to help the apostles, uh, to guide them. Just as the Old Testament, all scripture is God-breathed, the New Testament is God-breathed. Just as Jesus affirmed the Old Testament, he was he was laying out that the New Testament was going to come, it was going to be inspired, and, uh, and we're to live out the commands of the apostles in how we live. Uh, you might say, well, the church. Um, I can be a Christian and be saved by the gospel, but I don't have to be a part of the church because it's not an essential. No, Jesus clearly says that the church is God's idea. He gave the apostles to establish the church. There are foundational truths in the church. We are called to love Jesus and his bride, to be a part of the family of God, to be under the authority of Christ through the leaders of the church. God's word is very clear. So if we're going to be unified, As a church, um, the second bucket issues are very important, and we're going to try to live those out. So where the Bible speaks, we speak, and where the Bible is silent, we're silent. We're only silent where the Bible is silent, and and we don't add to things, and we don't take things away from what God's Word clearly says in the New Testament as it was understood for 2,000 years. Uh, and so we hold to these doctrinal truths in our second bucket issues. We also establish in our second bucket issues that uh, that there are some things that we're going to live out as it pertains to issues that are controversial. So let's let's take um, spiritual gifts, speaking in tongues in particular. There are those who are what are called cessationists. That means that that God gave miraculous signs to the first church to establish. Uh, uh, the writings of the apostles and to start the church. And they believe that as the apostles died out, the miraculous signs uh, disappear because the miraculous signs were to confirm what God's word said, what the disciples said in the New Testament scriptures. And by the way, that's been the predominant view up until the 1900s. Uh, In the 1900s, you have the charismatic movement beginning, and now you have uh, those folks saying that the miraculous gifts uh, are still active today and still have a part to play in the church. Now, we recognize as a church that we have charismatics and non-charismatics, cessationists and charismatics still uh, in our church, or they are in our church, and there is a debate over this issue. And so what we do for the sake of unity is we line out in our second bucket issues that this is not a salvation issue, there are scholars, uh, historians who disagree on the issue, but for the sake of unity, we lay out how that's going to play out in our church. So we say, we, we, we declare this a second bucket issue, but we say this is how we practice that issue in our church for the sake of unity. So... If you believe that uh, speaking in tongues meaning um, uh, the more uh, current definition of the, the miraculous um, sort of tongues of angels and of men uh, uh, you you participate in that you believe that to be something that is active today we say this that's a debatable issue. Um, we are saying to you the Bible is very clear when you, when you pray go into your closet, don't babble, go into your closet. It's between you and the Lord. Don't pray in front of people to be seen by people. So we say it this way: If you're uh, you are one who believes that those gifts are still functioning today, great. You do that at home. We're not going to have any place where Christians gather together in our small groups and our church services where we're going to encourage you to to do that. One because it's a debatable issue. It will divide us. Um, and there's a place for you to do it. We're not saying you can't be a part of our church. We're saying we're going to uh, act in this way in a second bucket issue, and we're going to establish what that looks like. So if you want to make that a first bucket issue, no, I am. Uh, I, I, it's, it's this important. It's a first bucket issue. You have to do this. You have to do this in in your church, and I'm going to function anywhere I want that way. We say, no, it's not a first bucket issue. It's a second bucket issue, and if you're going to demand your right to do that, go to a church somewhere else where they do that. If you're one of those people who say, no, you cannot do that. It is sin. It's of the devil. It's devil speak, and there's nowhere for that to happen. We're like, no, no, no it's a, a second bucket issue. It's a debatable issue. And we're not going to allow you to put it into a test of being a part of our church as a first bucket issue. And, and so we're not going to let you turn our life groups or into our church services as a means to fight or destroy or divide people. So if you're going to go around going, anybody who speaks in tongues uh, in in uh, this tongues of angels, and you call it gibberish, and and that's not going to happen. That can't happen. And I'm going to be a sort of an evangelist against that in our church. We say, hey, there's other churches that believe what you believe. Go there. We establish these things to create unity. Let me give you another second bucket issue. Uh, again, remember, second bucket issues are where the Bible clearly speaks. And it's been understood a specific way for 2,000 years. And so we're going to speak that. And uh, it may not be a salvation issue, but it certainly has an impact in your life on how well your marriage goes or uh, how well a church is unified. And so here's another second bucket issue. Uh, Eternal security. There are those who teach uh, that uh, a form of Calvinism, uh, and by the way, eternal security was a part of the the uh, uh, systematic theology that Calvin and Martin Luther and some of those guys came up with in the in the uh, you know er, earlier in Christian history. And um, eternal security is the belief that if you were saved, you can never lose your salvation. And it was a response to this sort of uh, eternal insecurity that uh, if you made a mistake. You uh, you had to confess it, and if you died uh, before you did, and you and and said you were sorry for it, you were eternally lost. And until you said, and if you were alive, you confessed it, then you were back and you were saved again, unless you sinned. Well, that's preposterous. That's nowhere in Scripture. is, Is that true that you lose your salvation? for committing a sin and you better hope you don't die in that state. That's something that the Catholic Church created as time went along and uh, that, that they were cl- clearly right that we shouldn't be eternally insecure. But eternal security teaches um, that that if you've really given your life to the Lord, you can never fall away. Now again, you don't fall away because you sinned. You fall away because you've decided you no longer believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the Living God and and, and it, so the question is can you can a person who truly believe that ever get to the place where they don't believe that and so those who who uh, who believe in eternal security say that that could never happen well I, I I don't believe that I believe there are all kinds of warnings about making sure that you don't fall away if you go to the book of Hebrews, you have this warning that if angels fell away, you should be pay, pay more careful attention to this salvation we share and make sure that you don't drift away. You know, Hebrews talks about to make sure that you don't get a sinful, unbelieving heart if you're saved by grace through faith. He says be careful that you don't get a sinful unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God but encourage one another daily so that your hearts will not become hardened uh, because of sin's deceitfulness. I believe that a person who once believed can come to the place that they don't believe anymore. And if they ever get to that state, then they're not saved. Now, the truth of the matter is, you can believe, you can be a Christian and be saved and and believe that uh, on, on both sides of this issue you can it's, it's not a eternal uh a salvation issue you can be wrong about it and christians from all different kinds of of backgrounds have disagreed on this issue what we're saying here in our church is it's not a salvation issue you can believe differently on that but we do say that you can know a tree by its fruit If a person is saved, there is a change in their life. I'm not saying they can't have a bad day. But if a person is saved, there is a change in their life. They're heartbroken when they sin. They're like, whoa, what am I doing? They don't live in sin. 1 John says no one who is born of God continues or practices sin. But it also says that if you claim to be without sin, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. But if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. So there's this... The Holy Spirit is doing his work in me, and I can't just live in it. I, 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 I talk about it this way. There's, it's, there's a difference between stumbling along the road and digging a hole and building a house in the, in, the middle of the, in the middle of the road. So you stumble, but you're like, what have I done? You don't build a, a, a hole and then live in it, and you'll go, hey, I prayed a prayer. I was baptized when I was younger, and now I can do whatever I want because I have health insurance. In our church, we constantly say, I can't tell you you're, you're, you're not saved because you're, you're living in sin, but I can tell you that uh, a believer, the Bible's very clear, if you're living in sin, practicing sin, I say practicing is like a football practice, I'm practicing to get good at it. I'm living my life without regard to what Jesus has done for me. The, the Calvinists would say, well, then you never got saved. I would say, well, you may have been saved, but you're not, you're not now because that's the way you're living. I know a tree by its fruit. In our church, we're like, hey, if you see somebody who has never accepted Jesus, they're not saved. If you see someone who has accepted Jesus but not living like that, I don't have the right to judge you, but I do have the right to go, hey, a believer doesn't just live out sin. Your fruit is scaring me get back up walk with jesus and so we're not going to divide over this but we're we're certainly going to say our job is to go hey i may not be able to tell you if you once prayed that uh uh you're lost but it is to tell you that hey knock this off you're scaring me and i want to share with you about jesus and getting back up and bringing this to the lord and making things right with him and walking with him now again you may be one of those that says, eternal security is a salvation issue. And uh, um, so, so you're wrong. Okay, we'll go to a different church. You know, it, you, you may be one of those guys that goes, uh, you should be eternally insecure. And, uh, and, and if you have a bad day, you know, you need to confess it or you're lost. And no, you're, this isn't going to be the church for you because we have bad days. You're a liar if you claim to be without sin. john says hey i I write this to you so that you will not sin but if you do sin you have a faithful high priest Uh, getting to the place where you don't believe um, is uh that jesus is the son of god you're not walking in faith you haven't trusted him for your salvation you certainly aren't going to let him be your lord Um, that happens one of two ways either you never accepted you need to or you, you may have, but something's happened in your life and you're doubting and maybe you get to this place where you just don't believe anymore. Either way, we're gonna be very clear on saying, you know a tree by its fruit. It's a second bucket issue. We say it this way in our church. Um, if you get them fighting in the huddle, it's a football uh, sort of a term. If you get them fighting in the huddle, they lose on the line of scrimmage. The devil wants to divide us. Which by the way, that leads to our third, third bucket issue. So what is a third bucket issue? The third bucket issue is an issue that Christians have debated for years. And we're going to say, hey, um, it's okay to have differing views on this issue. It's not second. We don't have to be unified on it. It's not first. It's not a salvation issue. It's a third bucket issue. So let me give you an example of that. Third bucket issue would be like on the end times, how eschatology is going to play out. You've got some people that believe the tribulation uh, is going to happen after the rapture. Some people believe the tribulation is going to come and the rapture is going to happen in the middle of the tribulation. Some people believe uh, a lot of different things. There are so many things out there. And what we're saying is we want you to justify what you believe by the word. And it's okay to have a discussion about this. We can discuss things without saying, no, you're not a Christian. Or you can't be a part of our church. There are certain things that you can discuss and even disagree on, um, but but uh, uh, we're still both Christians, and we can still be in the same church, and uh, we can disagree and we can agree to disagree, and so we want to be very clear about that. Um, you know, uh, for instance, you some people say you shouldn't buy from Walmart because some of the products there are supported by. Uh, people who are clearly anti-Christian, and other people are like, "Hey, you know what? I'm not, I'm not supporting uh, these folks, uh, their view of it. I'm buying a product because I need a product. All right, and I don't even put the two things together. You know, uh, when you get to uh, Romans, uh, or excuse me, First Corinthians eight, uh, Romans fourteen, there are things that you keep to yourself." And you don't argue about it because it bothers people. It hurts people. In the first century, uh, there were there were people who, um, you know, the temples would sacrifice animals and then they would sell it on the market. And some people felt like you can't eat that food because it was sacrificed in the uh, to an idol in the temple. Um, and and so for their consciences, don't do it. Well, other people were like, hey, I don't. Their god isn't really a god and it's cheap food and i'm not really honoring them with the cheap food uh i i you know i'm buying because it's cheap and i need to eat and so my conscience is like i don't believe in what they believe in but listen cheap food i need to eat so i'm gonna buy it there was a disagreement between going on in the early church and paul's dealing with that going hey don't cause another person to stumble love them enough to keep it to yourself but don't judge another man's servant There's certain issues, you know, I think about we do a harvest festival where we do this big thing to reach our community. We do an Easter egg hunt. Some people are like, hey, my conscience says that that is not uh, something I can do because it's kind of taking something that the pagan world has created and you're celebrating it where others are, we're not celebrating it, we're using it as an opportunity to have a first step where people um, can come and be a part of our church family and they can have fun with us, but we're gonna move them to what it's really about, right? Um, We're not, those of us who are doing it, we're not doing it because we're honoring what they honor, we're meeting them where they're at and bringing them to what we honor, but other people's conscience say we can't do that, great. We're not saying you have to be involved in the Harvest Festival, we're not saying you have to be involved in the Easter egg hunt, but don't say we're not Christians because we are because we've changed it and we're using it as a tool to reach them. It's a third bucket issue. We're not demanding something from you. Don't judge us. And we're putting these into clear categories because people are so confused on these issues. And we're letting you know at the beginning, when you get here, what we believe about these things so that you can decide ahead of time, are you going to be aligned with us? Are you going to put those things aside so that we can do the work of the gospel together as a team? And so there's a, an alignment picture here. We're trying to, to help people understand what we're about, what our mission is, what's clearly most important to us, and where we're going. We know there are a lot of voices out there on the Internet, different churches that are fighting about different things. We're trying to be clear on the front end, and then we reinforce that. This is what we believe about that. You can differ on that, but we're not going to fight about it. It's not a salvation issue. This is how we what we deem is a salvation issue. And so... Um, we're going to be clear on that. And and doing that means that we get to continue to work together. And for the sake of the Lord Jesus, we're reaching the world for Jesus. I can't tell you how many people over the years that... Uh, I would talk to that were Christians at different times in, in, in my past or in different churches. And I would go, how are you doing? I know you're a Christian. And, and they'd be go like, man, I'm so exhausted. We got into this big fight about whether we listen to this group of songs or that group of songs, whether it's hymns or choruses. And I'm just so exhausting fighting the good fight. And I'm like, so you're fighting about whether you like hymns or choruses. And you're exhausted because that's the fight. Meanwhile, your next door neighbor is dying of cancer and doesn't know Jesus at all. And you're just so exhausted when you got home. You can't make a meal for him. You can't, no. We're just going to be clear about this stuff. And uh, so that's our purpose. And that leads to a lot of good discussion so that we could be aligned. And um, uh, that's our goal. So that's what the three buckets are about. And in our, in our doctrinal statements, we, we're like, hey, this is essential for salvation. There are people who do disagree on this, but the Bible says something about that, so we're going to live that out. And if you don't want to agree with us on that, then it's okay if you go to a church that agrees. Just make sure that the church is actually holding to the most important things, and it's actually reaching the world for Jesus, and uh, it's actually on mission with Christ, Um, to, to seek and to save the lost and make disciples and that people are rightly dividing the word of truth because that's really important. We want to rightly understand the word of truth so that we reach lost people, disciple people who have come to know Christ and we're about the mission of God.